Hey there, I'm Stephanie Shaw. Welcome to the Hello Hot Flash podcast, where midlife women can learn from guest experts and authors who discuss menopause and all that comes with this new chapter in our lives. Hello Hot Flash, where we learn to control the change and not let the change control us. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Hello Hot Flash, where we teach you how to control the change. I'm so excited to be here with my guest today, Dr. Wharton. Dr. Wharton, NMD, is an award-winning physician, researcher, and global health educator who expertly bridges the worlds of conventional and alternative medicine. Dr. Wharton is distinguished for identifying and helping to bring unique healing modalities and therapies from abroad to the United States. Her passion is in helping people interpret medical science so they can take charge of their health and make informed decisions. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you being with us today. Thank you, Stephanie. I love your message, what you're doing, and it's very important for women to hear all of this. So thank you for what you're doing. Oh, yes, of course. And and again, what you're doing also directly aligns with our work. So excited to hear more about you. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, besides being a wife and mother, um, you know, and being in in the sandwich generation where I am, you know, I have a a, a son and a husband, but I also have an 89-year-old father. And you may think that I'm spending a lot of time taking care of him. I'm really not. He's golfing 18 holes three days a week. He uh, goes to the gym and works out with weights. He's doing his hyperbaric oxygen treatments. He he goes dancing. He's got more of a social life than anyone I know. And that's the way (laughs) we're supposed to age. But there is there is a lot going on there. And then for two decades, I have been a physician, a naturopathic medical doctor where I sit in the middle between both systems of medicine, but I'm also a researcher. I've designed and conducted clinical research for medical devices and for supplements in the nutrition industry. I'm a CME global educator for many years. That means I've been teaching doctors all over the world and and hospitals and others. And I'm an educator at ASU where I developed a course called Ancient Healing for Modern Times. I'm a product formulator. And that means I know the quality issues that we have in the nutrition industry. So I'm very much a quality control person and teaching people about the questions you should be asking about the supplements. I'd rather you take nothing than be on a poor quality one. And before all of this, uh, I taught classical violin and piano, and I was a television anchor and talk show host for NBC, ABC, and CBS. And they sound disjointed. They sound, you know, all these different things, but they're really not. So the message is all the things that we are as women eventually come to play to get us into this spot when it's time for menopause, during this time where we're becoming the matriarch, all these experiences come together to make us who we are and ready for our message or our purpose and passion of whatever it is that we're doing, whether it's a business, a family, a book, whatever your creation is right now, these experiences add up. That's amazing. You have such an incredible story. And I'm so happy you were able to share that with the, the audience. I'm going to, because your knowledge is so broad, we're going to focus on cancer and cancer research today. Um, and I, I, I've heard that the onset of menopause heightens your risk for cancer. Is that true? 
Partly, menopause does not cause cancer. So I'll say that again, menopause does not cause cancer, but a, a, a woman and a man's chance of getting any type of cancer increases with age. So yes, during menopause, we're going to see more of different types of cancers, but that proves true for men as well. It's more of an age and a metabolic, that means something wrong going inside the cell that's happening, not just menopause. Because the median age, Stephanie, for a cancer diagnosis is about 66 years old. Yeah. But we know the average age for menopause is around 51. So the, you know, the mainstream thinking was, um, you know, that, that because of the, the longer, so let's say if you go through menopause later in life, um, we know that that offers some health benefits. We actually live longer and have a lower risk of heart disease if you are later uh, going into menopause. But there's also an opposite side of that of saying, is it true that the longer we're exposed to, uh, to estrogen? So if you started your period early mm -hmm. and you went into menopause later, that's a longer time of estrogen exposure, exposure to the breast and the uterine. And is that, is that, is that linked to higher breast and uterine cancer? I'm going to address that in a minute, but we also say the longer that you have ov ovulatory cycles, the more ovulation you have, that there may be an increase of ovarian cancer. So there is a signal. We do see those three going up, but a newer study that was on uh, women, 400,000 women looked mm. at that difference, right? Mm. Of saying, if you started early and you went into menopause late, what does that mean? What they found was there was more of a chance of cancer for those women who started their periods at an earlier age than there was for women who went into menopause later. So the theory of the longer you're exposed to hormones is being challenged right now. So I believe, and so do many other physicians in our areas and researchers around the globe, that you know cancer is really a metabolic disease. And what does that mean? Remember studying in school, Stephanie, do you remember the, we talk about ATP and the mitochondria, that's that little right. powerhouse, right? right. <laughs> Inside right. the cell, that mitochondrial damage, things that damage that mitochondria that make the ATP inside the cell go haywire. And I'm, I'm making this a little, little um, uh, uh, easier to understand, but yeah. it's that mitochondrial damage that happens with aging that we believe is the mostly the part of what's causing cancer because, you know, only five to 10% of breast cancers are hereditary and 10 to 15% ovarian are hereditary. Doesn't say genetic, very yeah. few are genetic. Mm -hmm. But hereditary, it's a change in your gene. And I love to say DNA is not your destiny. We can turn off bad genes and turn on good ones. It's called epigenetic. And we're, we know a lot about that now. Yeah, that, that's fascinating to hear. Because again, a lot of times you get stuck in the fact that my mom had it, my grandma had it. So right. I'm destined to have cancer as well. So I love that that research is being done. And our mindsets around cancer is starting to change. Um, but sure. there, a lot of people still assume that there are certain cancers associated with women and women as they age. Yeah. Give us the list of what we may be thinking. 
Sure. So the ones that we see more of, regardless of the cause, right? I still think it's a metabolic okay. issue. Yeah. But yeah. Um, after 55, after starting menopause after 55, so if you've gone through it and it's after 55 years old, the risk of breast cancer and endometrial cancer and ovarian cancer rises. Those, mm-hmm. those are the three that we see during that menopausal time that increase. Now, all the cancers increase, lung, skin cancer, all of it. But those when it's related to just women's health, those are the three that we want to be watching for or looking for. Yeah. So and we, we've talked before, we've had another conversation, and I remember you spoke briefly about um, a, an additional type of test um, that you are now providing to women or it's available to women. Can you speak to that a little bit? Right. A couple of months ago, uh, the, um, the FDA approved liquid biopsies. Now we've been talking about them for years and Europe has had them for many years. They've been mm-hmm. utilizing them. Some of us here were going actually sending uh, samples off to Europe and utilizing that information. Wow. I work with oncologists not against them. I work with them because we want whatever is best for the patient, help the patient decide what works best for them Mm -hmm. um, from both systems of medicine and help explain what it all means. But here's the liquid biopsy. What I love about it is that instead of waiting till we have a lump or a bump, for Mm -hmm. example, you find a lump in the breast. Well, that lump could have been growing there for years right? Um, And within we, what do we do? We go in with the needle, we biopsy it, get some tissue, take it to the pathology lab and say, is it cancer or not? And that's great. We can see that, but it's been there. So Mm. a liquid biopsy is a blood draw and it's looking at any type of many types of cancer cells, many types. And some of them are highly accurate, like uh, 98, 99% sensitive and selective. What does that mean? It's accurate. So you, let's say you have a high level of uh, GI cancer cells, a certain type, mm-hmm. then I'm going to start really looking at your GI. And mm-hmm. an example is I had um, a patient that had, uh, she was postmenopausal mm-hmm. and she had breakthrough bleeding. And so we said, well, we need to look at that. You know, first you say, is she on hormones? Is she not? What, you know, what, let's look at that. But there were other factors she had, other signs and symptoms that continued to make me say, I really want to look deeper. Now that was happening before I had the liquid biopsies, but we did imaging. We saw a little uh, growth. Everyone, the radiologist, everyone said, oh, it's a uterine fibroid. We think it's a uterine fibroid. I said, yeah, but uterine fibroids don't cause breakthrough bleeding. So it wasn't fitting the clinical picture. As soon as this liquid biopsy came in, I ran it on her and found uterine cancer cells very high. So then we got to go in and be able to do an, a physical biopsy and on that uterine fibroid, which it wasn't, and it was uterine cancer, caught it at a very early stage and we're, we're saving her and extending her life. That's so a, that is so amazing. It's so amazing to know that that's available. Um, yeah. Maybe your OBGYN does not know this information as of yet. So now you're informed to ask these types of questions. I love that. I've heard something else. I'm picking your brain because that's you, fine. You that's good. Always answer the questions so great. And I'm like, oh, wow, something new. Um, thermography. I've heard about that too. And um, either replacing having a mammogram or in addition to, but can you explain what thermography is and how we should use that? 
Right. Thermograms are, so you know, a mammogram is looking for a tumor and it's got to be big enough for the mammogram to see it. Mm -hmm. By the time we see it, many times it's been there for years. So to me, that's not the true uh, uh, definition of uh, prevention. Now it's preventing it from getting bigger and metastasizing, right. but it's not preventing it. It's finding it once it's already there. Thermography, mm -hmm. on the other hand, looks for angiogenesis. That is the body or not the body. Cancer does not use your own blood supply. So it doesn't hook in and use your own blood supply to grow. It creates its own. It's called angiogenesis. Okay. So if we in thermography, looking at that, that temperature difference, we can see angiogenesis in different areas of the body. And it's really pretty, it's, it's good at breast. It's very good at breast. Uh, and then I start looking and saying, okay, why do we have angiogenesis? <laughs> do, uh, you know, is there's not a tumor yet. Now I'm going to say if there's angiogenesis and it looks like estrogen's feeding it, I'm going to send them off for, I like 3D tomographies. They're a form of of um, mammograms, but they're better. They, okay. they look at more for the amount of radiation. Yeah. 3D Tomo was the one to do. I like that my best. So then I'm sending them off because that's going to be precisely looking for growths, right? Mm -hmm. And if we need a, a, bi a physical biopsy, you got to have a mammogram to know where to go anyway. But right. as far as a yearly, yearly, let's look, um, it depends on the risk factors, depends on the patient. I like thermograms, but they are not replacing the other kinds of imaging looking for the tumors. They're not going to show me a tumor, but they can show me a blood supply. And does it look like um, hormones are feeding that, that issue? And then at that point, you can make the decision to have that. Next That's step right. That's with right. less radiation with the thermography. There's no radiation, no radiation. right, right, none. And that's yeah. the beauty of it because we're radiating the very tissue that we're trying to help and save, right? There's a, there's always a, a, a balance. And, you know, sometimes cancer needs two hits, two mutations, two hits. So what if you've got a gene sitting there and the next thing is radiation that's mm -hmm. causing it. So we have to always weigh it. What, yeah. what is the best, you know, I don't look. I don't know the science behind this, but in my mind and, you know, just conversations within family, it's always, if someone has cancer and they open them up, it's like the air hits it. So maybe that's that second hit. And then it causes this to spread. I don't know if that's scientific or if it's just an old wives tale, but we've just seen over and over that something like that happens. So I don't know if that's that second hit. There's a lot of wisdom in old wives' tales. You know, Chinese medicine has been around for thousands of years and it still has a lot of wisdom as part of one of my licenses. So here's the thing is if we go in and we cut and we cut into a tumor, is it, can we spread those cells? Yes. Let's say the tumor, those cells, those cancer cells were encapsulated in one little pocket of, of something, right? A tumor. Uh -huh. And uh -huh. if we cut that tumor, can they escape? Yes. So, but there's a tumor burden. So if we know it's cancer, it makes sense to pretty much take out that tumor, but you want a good surgeon that's not going to spread it and, you know, as much as he can, as much as they can and, and take it out. So it's always, again, who's the patient, what type of cancer are we looking at? Is it likely the, the other thing about the liquid biopsy, Stephanie, is that it tells you not only do you have circulating cancer cells, but it would tell you, is it likely to metastasize? Now we get that with other types of testing in traditional oncology, but right. not to the extent of the liquid biopsy because the liquid biopsy is looking at your tumor cells. So mm -hmm. to make the decision on what we do in traditional oncology, 
oncology, we have a database. We right. go, okay, we know you have this type of cancer. It's at this stage. This is what we do. Chemo, radiation, surgery, you know, whatever it is that that is the standard of care. But with the liquid biopsy, it looks at your tumor cells and says, hey, this type of chemotherapy, it's going to help this amount, this percentage. And what about these natural therapies? Resveratrol works on this. Uh, Melatonin may work on this. So it gives us the data to be able to even choose what are the best therapies. So I really, really am excited. Your oncologists know about it. They're not trained in it yet. It's not standard of care. Insurance does not pay for it. So they're not utilizing it yet. It will be, I give it another 10 years. Maybe it'll be sooner. But for those of us that can work outside of that model, outside of the insurance model, it's a lot of information that helps guide us and guides me with the oncologists that I work with from all over the world to say, here's more information. Let's discuss this with the patient and with the team. I'm so excited excited about these two options. So excited about those. As a, as um, someone who may be listening to this in their mind, they may be thinking, you know, I have this lump or I have um, some lesion on my skin. What should people be looking for? What are some of the warning signs that they need to address with their primary care or their OBGYN? Yeah. First of all, that your body is really smart. It gives you signs. I have this program. It's called the seven pillars and it's a self questionnaire that you, first of all, what's normal. A lot of people don't know what normal, what like a normal bowel movement should be from your elbow to your wrist. It should be about as big around as your, your, your wrist in the middle. It should be a medium brown, brown color. It doesn't smell all those things. What is normal? So it right. teaches what is normal. And then you write yourself one to 10. Where are you? Mm-hmm. And your body is sending you signs that something isn't right. Now it doesn't mean cancer, right? And a lot of the symptoms that come around cancer can be caused by many things. But anytime you have a lump or a bump or you have persistent fatigue, you're just like, I'm way more tired and I can't get myself out of this slump. It could be your adrenal glands, but it may be something more serious. Sleep disturbances is a big one. I have many patients that came to me just because they were having trouble sleeping. And, you know, mm-hmm. we want to put it in the, on the menopausal thing, but it was like, no, no, no. Looking at their hormones, looking at the way I do with pathways, not just the levels of the hormones, but looking where are they converting? Where are they going? Right. Um, then I knew it was beyond that. So sleep disturbances have been a real big find for me to start looking. Uh, night sweats, high calcium on blood work, uh, abnormal periods. If you're still cycling, if you're not, um, and you have that breakthrough bleeding that I talked about a minute ago with the uterine uh, cancer, bowel movement changes, bloating, bloating goes with ovarian cancer. If you're like, boy, I puff up, I'm, I have no reason. It is no rhyme or reason. And you're bloating. That is something to pay attention to chronic cough, headaches, um, difficulty swallowing, frequent fevers, not just night sweats, but fevers or infections, all these things. Pay attention to those symptoms and go find a doctor who's able to spend the time with you to ask you all these questions. It's hard to do to dig in in a five minute visit to ask you all the symptoms. It's just difficult. It's not the doctor's fault. It's the system's fault. It's broken. That's why I don't accept insurance. I want to spend, if I need two hours, I need two hours. Right. So, but you need somebody that will at least listen to you intently and pull those and not just say, well, it's probably just menopause. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I love that. Uh, so, uh, folks that listen to the, the podcast, they ask about one of my highest ranking episodes was around HRT. So hormone yep. replacement therapy. Yep. So there's questions out there around that. 
if you have cancer while perimenopausal or menopausal, and again, I know that it doesn't, now I know that it's not just in that category. Should you be taking HRT? Right. And if not, what are some alternatives? Right. So, you know, I err on the side of caution because we know certain cancers are fed. It doesn't mean it caused it, but they're fed by estrogen or progesterone, right? We know that. And we've got tests now to be able to kind of prevent, to look at, I can look at your three estrogens and see, are they going down? I'm just going to pick a pathway like 4-hydroxy-E1. If you're going down that pathway, that causes DNA damage, which is cancer and aging. That causes breast tenderness during your period. There's lots of things that we can see now that we used to not to be able to see. So first of all, looking at that, because we could block up higher like tamoxifen is the drug or DIM, which is the natural way, but maybe we don't need to. Maybe we only need to block lower down in one of the areas that we know is detrimental. Uh, it depends on the symptoms. How much are you suffering? I will tell you, there's a lot of ways naturally to get through you through menopause without hormones. However, hormones are protected to the brain and the heart and the bones. Mm -hmm. So we have to look at the individual patient. But if we have an active cancer, I don't think it's a good idea to be on hormones. There is new research saying it's possible with certain people that it might actually protect. Yeah. But we don't know enough yet to make those statements. So you Mm -hmm. have to look at it. You know, the Women's Health Initiative, I'm sure you've talked about that ad nauseum on, on your show. It was, you know, the one of the largest health projects ever launched in the United States, and it extensively looked at hormone therapy for years. But it itself, the study was inherently flawed. Um, if it had been designed differently, it probably would have shown very different results. Everybody got afraid of estrogen after that. Mm-hmm. What they did, it, they didn't do. Um, if they'd used a different type of estrogen. They might have seen completely different results. And those of us that work in bioidentical believe that is was probably true. They used the type of the estrogen they used. And the participants had a medium age, median age of 62.7 years old. They were 63 years old. They were that far past menopause. And we know when you start hormones for the first time that late after menopause, it's not good. Now that does put you at risk. Mm -hmm. So the study itself was a problem. So it's always about individualized programs, right? Look at the patient, look at all of it, look at what their symptoms are. Is their quality of life really suffering? But, you know, the first step you're asking about, how do we look at it? What are the alternatives? The first is to identify what's causing the symptoms that are becoming a problem. Now, sometimes we're not going to have a symptom of heart problems or mental or bone issues until we find them, right? We want to look at prevention too, but First look, identify any deficiencies, and that could be vitamins, minerals, um, uh, proteins that are not getting in that we need to build and protect us. Any deficiencies, any imbalances in hormones. It's not just about where those numbers are. How are they balanced with one another? And now being able to see, are they going down those pathways? And do we need to block some pathways? And there are certain quality supplements that can do a great job at blocking those. And it's all about dosage and timing. There's not a cookbook. Everybody do this program in my mind, in my, in my experience. I I don't believe in protocol medicine. I think everyone is different and you have to look at it, the dosage and the timing of everything. We know we need antioxidants going through this. We probably need controlled release melatonin because sleep is a very big thing that metabolically 
changing that, that, that damage to that mitochondria. We need good sleep, controlled release melatonin that keeps you asleep all night long. And it's supposed to be the highest before you wake up. All those get looked at in these kind of specialty testings, right? Then anti-inflammatory, this same uh, test that looks at those hormones looks at your uh, uh, anti-inflammatories. Are the, is there brain, do we have brain inflammation? If we do, we need to choose something that gets past the blood brain barrier. Do we have gut putrefaction? It's called endocrine. Can we look at that? Do we need certain probiotics? Do we need to fix a leaky gut? What do we need to do? If dopamine is low, that's the reward hormone. No matter what you do, how great you're doing it, you just can't enjoy anything. You have no reward with it. But more is not better. More supplements are not better. It's which one smarter is better. Which ones do you really need? Can you see it? Do you know what you need? The timing and the quality is very important. Stress reduction is huge. Yes. yes. Huge, right? Uh, there are supplements for vasomotor. I mean, a lot of them, you know, that people have tried. I'm sure you've talked about it on the show, but again, should be looked at black cohosh. If they're on a statin can be problematic herbals just because they're natural and supplements just because they're natural doesn't mean that they play well with each other or with other medications. You've got to know what you're doing and more is not better. Do you need MK seven for bone building? We know we got to support the bones. Right. going through right? right and just doing vitamin d by itself can cause calcification and cause right. strokes and heart attacks so you have to do d and k together you have to do it right, right? <laughs> brain right. health protein vaginal dryness there's non-hormonal vaginal creams one that i like i don't have any association with them but they're called reverie and it's mm-hmm. hyaluronic acid it's something the body naturally produces if i have somebody we don't want to use hormones on for whatever reasons we can't block the pathways or whatever reasons there are, but there's non-hormonal vaginal lubricants and ways to strengthen the vaginal walls, heart health, ubiquinol. But those hormone pathways that I'm talking about are very important, Stephanie, and trying to look at keeping the, not just balance, the levels and the balance, but do we need to block those pathways? I'm sure you've talked about, uh, let's say, inositol or resveratrol, trimethylglycine, sulforaphane. I mean, I could go on and on. NAC, one of my favorite ones, calcium to glucurate, Paul saw palmetto, which ones make sense for this particular patient. And to say, oh, I've got these symptoms and everybody reads about it. Right. Right. And they go and they buy all this stuff and they try all these things. They don't know what's working together, could be interfering or contradicting, or at worst, putting you at risk. You really need to know which, which one do you individually need? Then you try it one at a time and see what's happening. What that amazing, amazing information. What happens when a person can't come to someone like you because they they can't afford it? You know, they don't right. have insurance. Are there suggestions for cancer prevention? Yes, yes. And and you know, that is me starting to do more of what you're doing here. I'm mm-hmm. doing more and more education. I'm trained enough doctors and we've got the hospital and a treatment center and research center being built with the metabolic therapy. So I don't have to see all the patients, right? Yeah. I don't have to see as yeah. many. We were training. So I will be doing more education. So if there's lots of free things out there, like what you're doing, Stephanie, good mm-hmm. edu- Who do you follow? Who do you trust? 
who has the science or the mindset that you believe in somebody that's working in mind, body, spirit, and soul. I say, you've got to work on all of it. So who do you follow? And there's lots of free information out there. A lot of things that you can identify and learn on your own. There's free workshops. I have free workshops, you know, some of them that get detailed, we have to pay for our time and we have to pay for it. But for the most part, we all try to do as much free as we can, but be careful who you listen to as well. Very they're true. tied to products. If they're tied to, you know, that doesn't mean that's bad. Doesn't mean it's a bad product. It just means incentive. You, you, we've always got to know who do we trust. I, my newsletter is called the truth in medicine. You know, it's just, let's just say what we know and what we don't know. And that's okay. So there are a lot of people that don't have to be patients. that can be clients. Many of us do telemedicine. Even if you're not a patient, you can consult ask certain questions. What about this? My doctor wants to do that. You know, I do a lot of that from all over the world. I have patients in Russia and China and all over, but, but, you know, you can, and you try to keep the time down. Right. Stephanie, here's the point that I want people to know about when you're trying to find the root of the problem, that's where the time and the money needs to go. It's, mm-hmm. If you quit spending money on all these supplements and all this <laughs> stuff, you could probably pay for a real good deep dive of what you really need to do. Yeah. Get somebody who works to say, here are the ones you can ask your insurance-based doctor to run. These are the tests you need to do. And these mm-hmm. are the specialty tests that you can order yourself or, or not. And we'll have to you know work on that. But it's the deep dive at the beginning. After that, it's easy. You don't need to continue to go see somebody and continue to treat and think I'm going to spend $100,000 on somebody. You're not. Now, right. we got to be careful and not to dish any of my functional medicine colleagues. Mm-hmm. But there are a lot of doctors that are learning a lot of integrative medicine now, and I'm so grateful and thankful for it, but they get all excited and a person comes in and they run them through so many expensive tests that if they had just been listening and spending the time could have saved a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And maybe you don't need this test after you do this test. So I would caution everybody again, more is not better, more testing, more supplements, more information is not better. So you can find the information to ask your question. You can, and you don't have to spend that much to work with doctors that really just want to find the root of the problem. And then, and then say, okay, here you go. Here's your program. You're on your own. I'm here if you need me, but hopefully you don't. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Two more questions for you. What is the best advice you've ever received for your mind, body, or business? (laughs) I would say, you know, I belong to a, 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 a network, a group and uh, Joe Polish in this genius network group has a saying he got it with somebody from somebody else, but it's called Elf. If it's mm-hmm. not easy, lucrative, and fun. Now that applies to business. Don't make mm-hmm. a decision. Don't jump into something that's not going to be easy, lucrative. So you have to support yourself and fun. But the same thing applies to your mind, your body, and spirit. Choose things. Choose things that you enjoy, that you can continue to do, not another weight loss program that doesn't work. It's about finding that. And how do you find that? You begin and end your day always with some kind of meditation or prayer. So you get yourself out of running from the bear, Mm -hmm. cortisol running crazy and crazy, busy brain. You get yourself in the morning when you wake up and at night before you go to bed and your answers will be right there in front of you. I love that. I absolutely love that. Everyone in the audience is sitting in the middle. Like, what is one piece of no cost advice? Mine, mine, um, you that that was excellent advice that you gave, but what's one additional, I guess, piece of 
um, no cost advice that you can give them that they can run with. Right. I know that you talk about controlling the change, and I think that's great because that's the information you're providing. But I would first start with don't try to control it. <laughs> Understand it. Ooh, Understand it. Nice. Balance it and welcome it because there are other cultures that welcome menopause because now they have gone into um, a vessel bearing, uh, child bearing. This is what you are in our tribe now in our community now into this beautiful experience, matriarch with life experience. Um, So don't be thinking about men. Oh, pause, pausing from sex and men. Don't be thinking it's called ovarian failure. That was a man that came up with that terminology. It's not ovarian failure. It's a natural process. So Welcome it. Look forward to it. Um, We can manage the symptoms a million different ways. It's going to be different. And for some, it'll be more of a challenge than others. But more is not better. And take time to focus on you because you can't help anyone else if you're not healthy. So understand it. Look forward to what comes with it and start focusing on you. I love that. Love that. Thank you so much for your time. I truly appreciate it. Everyone, thank thank you so much for listening to Hello Hot Flash, where we help you understand the midlife change. (laughs) Make sure you check out the show notes where we include links to all subjects that we covered today. You can also find health and wellness information on hellohotflash.com. Here's to your health. Stephanie. Thank Thank you. you. Join us Thursdays in October for a special Breast Cancer Awareness Month series. Each week, we will discuss how new advancements in tech will support your breast health. Tune in for uplifting stories every Thursday this October as we come together to raise awareness, support one another, and drive positive change.